Hi, I'm Gianna Volpe, and thank you for listening to The Heart of the East End on 88.3 WLIWFM, the show where we get to the heart of any matter at hand with folks from all walks of life on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. We stream online at WLIW.org radio and welcome your comments, questions, and collaborations of all kinds on The Heart of the East End. Live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York, I'm Gianna Volpe on October 10th, uh, October 13th, 2022, in Long Island's only local NPR radio station. I'm sorry, I have someone in the studio already, so I'm getting all nervous. Starting in Riverhead this morning in a 3-0 to zero vote with Chairperson Joanne Waski and member George Nunaro absent the Riverhead Planning Board, last week voted to adopt the final scoping statement for the 641,000-square-foot Riverhead Logistics Center on Middle Road in Calverton. Denise Sibletti reports on RiverheadLocal.com that the final scope details the required environmental review for the project. The applicant's draft scoping statement was revised by the planning department with the assistance of... Uh, consultant Sam Schwartz following public scoping sessions held September 1st through 15. The final document incorporates many of the comments made by the by community members during the scoping meetings and in writing. Looking at schools, scores on the ACT college admissions test by this year's high school graduates hit their lowest point in more than 30 years nationwide, while New York test takers scored higher than pre-pandemic levels. As reported on Newsday.com, the class of 2022's average ACT composite score was 19.8 out of 36, marking the first time since 1991 that the average score was below 20. The average composite score for students in New York, however, was 25.3, the second highest since 2013. The statewide average was lower than 2021's 26.3, though that year had the lowest number of students taking the tests. In the past decade, New York students' ACT scores in general have risen in all subjects, English, math, reading, and science, bucking the national trend of a steady decline. Rose Babington, Senior Director for State Partnerships for the ACT, said the different trends may be tied to the percentage of students taking the test. In New York, only 10% of the 2022 graduating class took ACT tests. In Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, Nevada, Tennessee, and Wyoming, everyone graduating is tested. The national average is 36% of graduating students. And finally, advocates of the Community Housing Fund, which will be on the November 8 ballot for voter uh, approval, likened the proposed new real estate transfer tax to the CPS, the Community Preservation Fund, after which it was modeled, which funded the preservation of open space, water quality, and historic resources as a way to now try to preserve people. Michael Wright reports on 27East.com that at a forum on the CHF and LTV studios in East Hampton last week, the authors of the legislation and the leaders of local towns that will implement it if approved by voters said that the new fund will give towns hope of being able to create and preserve housing for middle-income residents and give residents a boost in their efforts to purchase housing locally as prices sprint out of reach of most workers. The CPF, uh, the, the CHF, excuse me, would rely on a half percent tax on most estate sales over $400,000 with some exceptions, including 
first-time uh, homebuyers, the CPF, um, by comparison, is a 2% tax. The revenues would be dedicated to funding programs laid out in HFC plans that have been drafted by Southampton East Hampton towns to, among many strategies, create new rental apartments, aid homebuyers in bridging price barriers to purchasing single-family homes and preserving smaller homes in modest neighborhoods from speculative redevelopment. Officials warned that if the region does not find a way to help middle-class residents remain in the area, local businesses and the services that they provide will not be sustainable. Officials acknowledged that part of the issue has been the desire to protect the rural character of the region through zoning and the CPF, which also uses a real estate transfer tax, as we discussed, to fund preservation of open space and historic places on the South Fork. Reading the weather in Sag Harbor in honor of our first guest, Galen Rosenwachs, who has an event coming up this weekend at the Sag Harbor Whaling Museum and later this month at the Montauk Historical Society. Looking like showers likely today, mainly after 3 p.m., otherwise mostly cloudy with a high near 70 degrees. Southeast wind, 13 to 17 miles per hour, gusts as high as 31. Uh, tonight, showers and possibly a thunderstorm. Some could produce heavy rain, low around 60 degrees. Breezy with a southeast wind, 18 to 23 miles per hour. Gusts as high as 36, so make sure you secure the items in your yard. Right now, it's 64 degrees, and we got the Wales edition of The Heart here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. Starting with a band called The Wales, I learned a lot of new music I'd never heard before. This The next track called The Wales from a, a band called Goose from their brand new record or their 2022 record, Dripfield. Love that track. Lou Reed, Last Great American Whale on deck after that. Gary Higgins, Last Great Sperm Whale, which will lead us into our Thoughtful Thursday segment underwritten by Green Hill Kitchen. Starting with the whales, starting in the sky, come down little bird on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
Goose, the whales, from their 2022 record, Dripfield. This one also um, released in 2022, The Listening Planet. A little sperm whale clicks for you to get you in the mood for Thoughtful Thursday. That sound is something super familiar to our first guest this morning on the heart, Galen Rosenwax, who is the author of Sperm Whales, the Gentle the Gentle Goliaths of the Ocean. She joins us now for the Thoughtful Thursday segment, underwritten by Green Hill Kitchen, here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. Thank you for making this book. Well, thank you for having me. So am, am I saying thank you and your mom? Who's the photographer? Is it you? I'm the photographer. Okay. Yeah. But she has become a great camera woman as well through <laughs> the experience of making this book. Yeah. So what happened really was I wanted to make this project and I wanted her to be a part of it since she introduced me to sperm whales when I was a toddler. So we got to talk, talk about this. Is, was she in the field? Tell us more about your mom. Um, She loves the ocean. Yeah. And, you know, there was a baby sperm whale that washed ashore that stranded on Long Island back in 1981. And so she was always fascinated by the ocean, always taking her toddlers, you know, my brother and me, to the ocean anytime, exploring, fishing, pulling stain nets. So when this young whale stranded, she said, well, I'm going to take my two rambunctious toddlers to see this whale. And this is a very appropriate topic to talk about. Uh, that is the, st- the story of feisty I saw the trailer for your video project. Are you trying to find feisty, uh, however many years it is later, from 1981? I can't math that fast. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a long time. We don't need to put it. Uh, oh, 31 years. Four, I got 40, it. 41. Oh. Yeah. Oh, good job, Jake. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the idea was really that you know, where would feisty be now as an adult male? Right. Because they rehabilitated him. Right. In captivity, which was Amazing. absolutely incredible. Because you never hear that. Usually when the whale gets beached and, and everyone tries to save it, uh, eventually uh, the the being washes up somewhere. But that was not the case with Feisty. No, he was a young sperm whale and he stranded. They didn't know what to do. So they and this brought was like him. around Robert Moses. It was Robert Park. Moses. Okay. Yeah. So they dragged him into the Great South Bay and into the boat basin that's right there over the causeway. Right. And they kept him in captivity thinking he was going to die. But then a bunch of veterinarians sort of was like where it came and worked on him, figured out he had pneumonia. Then they gave him antibiotics. Like pounds, pounds of yeah. antibiotics. I, I was like, when I thought about it, I was like, what was the cost when you imagine? Well, to my knowledge, they were donated by the pharmaceutical company. Oh, which, I like to hear that. Yeah, because... You almost never hear a good thing about the, the pharmaceutical <laughs> industry. Yeah, so they um, and they were able to get him to eat the antibiotics in squid, and they hand-fed him squid, and then he turned a corner so cool. and got well, and nine days later, they led him out of the Great South Bay back into the ocean, and he disappeared into the depths. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. And let's talk a little bit, because that's one thing. You learn a lot about uh, sperm whales, the matrilineal uh, family. So that's that's mothers, grandmothers, daughters, aunts, uh, nieces, all, 
all the all the females stay together. The males, after they're ten, they sort of get isolated. They can form like bachelor pods, um, but we don't see a lot of them in, in your book. Can 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 you tell us a little bit more about how it works? I mean, is the bachelor pod thing uh, common? Are they more uh, likely to be uh, on their own? And then how do they they intermingle? How do they uh, approach an, a clan? Yeah, make. yeah. So the amazing thing is the books. The my book is predominantly shot in Dominica, where there's a resident population beautiful. of females. Yeah, that's yeah. a beautiful place. It's an incredible island. You know, it's volcanic, yes. and it just drops off into this deep, deep water, which is perfect for and sperm has whales. Rainforest on it, I believe. Yep, rainforest. It's the nature isle. It's a yeah. beautiful island. Waterfalls, but really the magic for me is offshore there, right. and just a couple of miles off is where you find the sperm whales because it drops off into thousands of feet. These deep canyons where the giant squid live that the sperm whales like to eat. Yes. So it's incredible. So the, that's why in our book, in my book, it's really, you know, mothers and daughters, aunts, all of the females, because they stay together for their entire lives. And then some young males. And then the young males will leave when they're teenagers and sort of roam the ocean, forming these bachelor pods. And then also, once they're bigger, being completely solo, solitary animals that just roam like in the Arctic waters. And then they come back to Dominica to visit their females in the winter. And so we also saw some in the winter, some of these big males, and they're double the size of the females. So it's absolutely incredible. So cool. Yeah. And so what really brought us there was the question of, well, where should Feisty have been? He was only about a five-year-old whale, and he still should have been with his mom back when he got taken into captivity when he stranded and was ill. And so instead, a community of people here on Long Island, you know, took him in and got him well and really rallied around him. Thousands of people came to see him. And then when they set him free, they were cheering him to go. And so presuming that he did survive, and they have every reason to think that he did, right now he would be a 45, 46-year-old male, huge sperm whale, 65 feet, roaming the ocean, coming into places like Dominica to find his ladies and his family. And, um, you know, so it's pretty incredible. The search continues. What do do you have any? I, I know that one of the ways that you identify whales are identifying marks, particularly on their fluke. Uh, do you have uh, photos or anything of feisty? And 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 it, I have to imagine it's got to change right over over the course of time. Oh, absolutely! And in fact, even the whales that we've known now for a few years in Dominica, every year they change slightly because they right. get new scars and new battle wounds. Because right. um, mostly pilot whales make these you know scars on their tail. But his fluke identification, Feisty had a pristine fluke when he was in captivity, but he did have a scar around the base of his tail. Because huh. they dragged him into the boat basin right. with, by a, with a rope, and they didn't know any better, and they were sort of, you know, figuring this out as they, they went. They're trying to like. No one you know, had done this before. Right. No one had taken, you know, a twenty-six-year-old, a twenty-six-foot, you know, sperm whale into captivity. So they did a really good job because they set him free, and he was well. And he but lived. And he lived. So, um, yeah, so you could probably identify him if he still would have that scar. I think it would be difficult. Um, but, you know, I heard rumors about some skin samples somewhere and things like that. And I oh, haven't tracked them DNA down. DNA technology. Um, I haven't tracked that down. I think, you know, it was a long time ago. And many of the scientists are unfortunately no longer with us. And some people who did see Feisty have shared just incredible stories. You know, when I think about how, how Feisty could have gotten separated from his family, I'm curious because... I know that, especially from looking at the this gorgeous coffee book, by the way, um, 
many, many photos of uh, sperm whales sleeping vertically, which is cool in and, a, in and of itself, but near the surface of the water. Do you, uh, I mean, this seems like journalism. It's all about asking stupid questions that you know the answer to already. Do you think that that leaves the whales more vulnerable to, say, uh, boat strikes, or are they able to sense that a ship is around? I think when they're sleeping at the surface, they're definitely vulnerable to ship strikes. I think just in general, whales on the surface are. Boats go really fast, and the whales, even if they can outrun them or sense them, often can't, and there's so much noise in the ocean. Um, So I do think that sleeping, they did... They did have a group of whales that they think were all killed by a ship strike in Dominica by a ferry a number of years ago. And, you know, it's unfortunate there's no, you know, real proof to that. But they definitely do have ship strikes. And there's a few other things that are, you know, hazards for them. Like what? Um, Entanglement. Right. um, Down in Dominica, they use fish aggregating devices. So it's ropes and trash sort of like left in the water. You have a photo photo of it in the book. book. Really to just illustrate, you know, this is something that they can just swim into. It's small. You know, it's not something that's necessarily they're going to pick up on their radar, their sonar. As they're swimming along. And on the surface, they're really just resting. They spend a fraction of their time on the surface. So we're just seeing this like little fraction of their lives because they're there resting and getting their breath ready. And it's like they're the most amazing free divers on the planet. So they're there really recovering from this deep dive that takes four, that they spend 45 minutes in thousands of feet of water hunting. And that's the majority of it. It's a good note because it's, it's, although it is a small amount of time that they come up. They need to. Oh, every yes. every hour, they're going to need to spend some time near the surface. So it's yeah, one hundred percent. They're mammals. Yeah, they're not they able breathe. to just stay down there and, nope. and avoid the boats. Yeah, no, they breathe. They breathe air like we do. They right. nurse their young like we do. They um, have names like we do. <laughs> they have names like the scientists. Well, um, well, or like maybe the they si- have names that they well, call each other. Well, we don't like know. you, like you, you mentioned, they have like a code. So, you know, when they're identifying themselves to one another, they have like a specific pattern of clicks to say who they are, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. They have clicks and codas and ways of communicating. You can tell just by listening which clan you're listening to and which groups you're listening to because they have individual signatures. And really, so much is being learned now about all of that. It's really the forefront of sperm whale science so let's 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 talk some other good news, which is that the numbers are returning at least. First of all, I, I didn't know until reading um, your book that how bad the '60s were for whales. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think when most people think about whaling history, you think about you know the old wooden ships, right, and you I, think about Sag Harbor and right. Cold Spring Harbor, Nantucket, and really this. Really, the whaling industry built up these towns and these areas. But then really what happened was you would take one whale. It was a sailing vessel. How many could they really kill on right, their fort? How, many, how many barrels of oil and right. spermaceti could one of these vessels really carry? Not that many. And so, but then what happened in the 60s and 70s is industrialized whaling, where right. these big, fast ships would go with these, you know, huge harpoons and just be able to get whale after whale. And it was more of like a factory. of thousands of whales. Yeah. And we really no longer needed the, the you know, petroleum was already introduced. So we didn't need the whales well, to was, power like, lights. Fertilizer and, like and... Fertilizer, cat food, all oh sorts of, you know, different things. Um, so it was really crazy, just that disconnect. 
Galen, you mentioned spermaceti. I think this is a perfect uh, time to answer the question that I imagine a lot of people have. Why sperm whale? Why do they call it a sperm whale? You mentioned spermaceti. What is it? So spermaceti is a wax-like, waxy-like substance that's in the head of the whale. Mm-hmm. Um, and sperm whales have enormous heads. And the reason that it's called spermaceti is because it looks like semen. So mm-hmm. when the whalers, you know, back in the day, they thought it was actually that. They thought right. it was sperm. So that's how it got the, but the it's name. Not, what, so not what, at all. What did, what did people use it for? Well, I so guess. they make candles oh. and it's a lubricant. It's a oh. smokeless oil. So it would actually, you know, burn without, you know, causing smoke. And it was just this absolutely incredible lubricant. <gasps> So really no more, the most you know. highly valued part of any whale was the spermaceti. But in reality, the whales are using it as this like massive conductor for sound and vibration as they're going through the water. In their, so their brains, they have the largest brain on the planet, which I did not know. But I, I was also just amazed by their, their sonar technology. And, and you were saying that you could feel when they would click and, and identify or, or yeah. explore what you were. Yeah, no, when you're in the water with them and they're clicking on you because that's really how they size you up. They have really small eyes for how, you know, big they are, yes. but they kind of do everything with sound. So they're clicking on you and as that's reverberating back to them, they're just figuring out they probably know what you're like had for breakfast. You know, I mean, they probably know more about you, do you than think that you they do. They can like see inside. I like, think that they I mean it's like more of like it's not ultrasound technology, but it's right. sort of like they can definitely, they pick up on different things that reverberate back to them with the sonar. That are like, like different densities so, and whatnot. Exactly. <gasps> so, you know, we don't know what they're figuring out about us, but they can certainly sense all kinds of things. But then the in, one of the interesting things that happened with me is I, you know, I'm shooting um, my camera and with the shutter, sometimes I think they thought it was me projecting, clicking, clicking back. back at them. So I would have these incredible interactions where... My shutter would be going off, and they would be clicking on me, and it was like more like a conversation, even though I was just taking massive pictures of them, like inside their mouths as they're clicking. Um, but it was pretty incredible experience. I'm loving this. But when you can, you feel it, and then with the males, you feel it even more because they have these like large clangs, and then sperm whales make the largest sound on the planet when they're hunting. I didn't hear that because obviously I wasn't at depth, but. Um, yeah, just these insane like sonic booms to stun their prey. I gotta add that factoid to the rotary sperm whale trivia that I prepared for today. We've got at least one more story from Galen Rosenwax, sperm whales, the gentle Goliath of the oceans to share with you. But first, a little French whisperer. This is giant squids and sperm whales from the sleep journey under the sea record of 2020 here on the Thoughtful Thursday segment, underwritten by Green Hill Kitchen, right here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Lower parts of the mesopelagic uh, layer, we may cross paths with a giant squid. These animals are among the largest in our oceans, with a size of up to 13 meters more than 40 feet. Like all squids, a giant squid has a mantle which corresponds to its torso, eight arms and two longer tentacles, and uh, their weight is in the hundreds of kilograms. The arms are covered in hundreds of small 
suction cups that the squid can use to stay attached to a prey. Squids are propelled by pulling water into a cavity inside their mantle and expelling it behind them. Giant squids are predators in this environment. The only threat to them is the sperm whale. We will see one a bit later. But otherwise, they are hunters who prey on everything. <laughs> All right. So s speaking of predators uh, of the deep, the largest toothed predator is, in fact, the sperm whale. That, again, the French whisperer. I couldn't resist, especially considering the story, uh, Galen, about Digit gifting you a giant squid tentacle. Amazing. Very weird, because what are the odds that this whale would be named Digit, uh, you mentioned uh, that the kill was so fresh that the color cells, the chromatophores of the tentacle, was still changing color. Can you describe that experience to us? It was, I think, <laughs> honestly, the best experience of my entire oh, life. Because yeah. I, I always loved giant squid. Same. I'm a total, like, I'm a marine biologist. Yeah. So for me, I was always like, what am I going to study? You know, I ended up studying tunas, but I thought maybe it was going to be squid. Up, growing up, we, it, it, the giant squid was elusive it had Completely. never been it had never been photographed right. uh, there had only been dead ones seen yeah up until then and, you know so i knew that there were giant squid there in dominica but you know i never thought about it so actually what happened was when i was in the water with these whales there were five whales swimming sort of next to me at this time and it was just like really it felt like i was in a herd of whales and they kept checking on me because that's what they do they sort of engage with you to make sure that you're you know to know where you are but also sort of to make sure you're keeping up And then I saw what looked like this like rope out of the sperm whale's mouth. And I kind of... You can see it, by the way, in the book. <laughs> yeah. And um, honestly, my heart dropped at that moment because I was like, oh, no. Like, you know, the I thought it was like... something exactly. or a rope. And then as I got closer and they, they got closer to me, really, because usually they're interacting, uh, they're engaging me. So I'm sort of staying back and they'll get closer rather than me going towards them. And um, as they dove it actually fell out of the sperm whale's mouth. And I was like, could that be? Is that a tentacle? Like, I didn't really know. And then um, as it went down, and at that point, it was around 60 feet down. And I had mm -hmm. my big camera system that I was shooting. And so I couldn't really free dive down to it because everything we do is free diving. And then Digit, this younger whale, came, put it in her mouth, and sort of spiraled up right in front of me and then just spit it out right in front of me like, like here, here you, you go. go are you hungry yes. like do you want breakfast you look hungry That's so sweet. and so it was so incredible and so there it was this 20 25 foot long tentacle you know that they had just eaten the rest of the squid right well, in front well, of me how are you able to positively identify it was it the sheer length well, of the tentacle the si yeah the size and then you know all of the different features of what you know giant squid anatomy is so okay. it was the tentacle as opposed to the arm so it was okay. really like the long The longer or the longer, you know, appendage right. that would catch the fish, right, or catch whatever it's hunting. So it's like sort of long and skinny, and then at the end, it's got these hooks and like you know suckers. And so what happened though when we first got it, like it was still just so fresh that you know, well, it smelled interesting, but then it was still changing color, and actually the suckers were still kind of pulsing. 
Um, and it was just wild. What what what, col- what kind of colors it did was you see? Mostly orange, like mostly oranges and orange and golds, and you know it was just insane. You know, and reds, unbelievable. Um, yeah, and you know you see them. I had actually just handled one at the Natural History Museum that was preserved in like formaldehyde, and so. Speaking of which, what did you do with it? Oh, so with that, with the tentacle, um, they, we kept it, right. and the captain actually ate it. He was like, "This is the biggest Stop one I've it. ever seen." So there's no way we're doing anything else with it. So oh we examined God. it really closely, took a lot of pictures, and then um, he boss. had it for dinner. <laughs> yeah. What should we give a shout out? Well, who's captain? Um, Jerry, Captain Jerry, Captain Jerry, island style fishing in uh, Dominica. Oh so, my gosh! Yeah. All right. So this is this is super exciting. Uh, we're, we're we're way over time, and that's okay because I want to know we're going to be able to see you this weekend at the Sag Harbor Whaling Museum. Yes, I'll be speaking at the Sag Harbor Whaling Museum Saturday. at three o'clock um, Saturday afternoon. Um, so a presentation about all of my work and obviously a lot of sperm whale content, and then next weekend on the twenty second at the Montauk Lighthouse at super four o'clock. Cool. Now, now, where can people find the book? Can they find it? I know all the copies are spoken for as of now. Can people still order oh, them? Absolutely. It's available for pre-sale. The actual launch date, um, thanks to supply issues from you know that, what's going every, on with the global supply chain, store, um, is they're going to be dropping the no- beginning of November. Okay. So absolutely pre-sale. Any fine bookseller you know, we'll have ask them. Your, yeah, ask your local bookstore. If they don't have it, they'll and, order it. And there's definitely a lot of local bookstores here on Long Island that yes. will have it, and they'll have some signed copies as well cool. at different ones once they're once they're in. But for right now, you can certainly pre-sell them, and we're hoping to have them at the events um, that we're going to be doing here on Long Island. So a little bit, if you want a, an early copy, otherwise they'll drop in November. Holiday season is coming, my friends. Galen, uh, before I let you go, What's coming up? Are you wor- are you working on like a larger video documentary? Uh, wh- where will your work take you next? Yeah, so on the heels of the book, which is really exciting, we are I'm finishing up the film that actually started it all. So the film that really tells the story of Feisty and how Feisty impacted me and my life, and then reconnecting with the whales, um, reconnecting with the whales in Dominica and telling the story of sperm whale families. I don't know where that's coming from. We're getting oh, a phone call. Yeah, that was the studio phone. Every time that happens, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I'm like, where is it? Where is it coming from? It's here in the studio. Yeah. So stay tuned for the film, which will hopefully be out in next spring You'll or be summer. Back. And it'll You'll be, be back awesome. on with us? I would love to. All right. So I'm Gianna Volpe. That was Galen Rosenwax. See her this Saturday at 3 o'clock at the Sag Harbor Whaling Museum or next weekend at Montauk Light. Uh, This is Gary Higgins with Last Great Sperm Whale from the Red Hash Record of 1973. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you just heard the Thoughtful Thursday segment underwritten by Green Hill Kitchen right here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, the weekday morning and midnight show, The Heart of the East End. We'll be back. Sperm whale 
As soon as he was free, told another mermaid's good off saying, Let us talk, let us talk to me. Saying, Let us talk, let us talk to me. Search party up and down that rocket coast. You know they must want, know they must want me. Said I know they must want, know they must want me. Where they got to swimming beneath the rocky bay? Tore up every coastal town. You know they must want, know they must want me. I know it must want, know it must want me. Well, they won't get him, cause he's a good swimmer. Run the rapids, he do the river. Bleeding from his hands Said the last great sperm whale Said I'm gonna make it Gonna make my stand Said I'm gonna make it Gonna make my stand
from last great sperm whale, Gary Higgins, to the one and only Lou Reed, last great American whale, here on the whale edition of the Heart of the East End, the weekday morning and midnight show on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. I'm going to get my censored fingers warmed up with this one. I'm Jenna Volpe. This is Lou Reed. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to WLIWFM. He was the last surviving progeny, the last one on this side of the world. He measured a half mile from tip to tail, silver and black, with powerful fins. They say he could split a mountain in two. That's how he got the Grand Canyon. Last great American whale. Last great American whale. Last great American whale. Last great American whale. Some say they saw him at the Great Lakes. Some say they saw him off of Florida. My mother said she saw him in Chinatown. But you can't always trust your mother. Off the Carolinas, the sun shines brightly in the day. The lighthouse glows ghostly there at night. The chief of a local tribe had killed a racist mayor's son. He'd been on death row since 1958. The mayor's kid was a rowdy pig. Spit on Indians and lots worse. The old chief buried a hatchet in his head. Life compared to death for him seemed worse. The tribal brothers gathered in the lighthouse to sing and tried to conjure up a storm or rain. The harbor parted, the great whale sprang full up and caused a huge tidal wave. The wave crushed the jail and freed the chief. The tribe let out a roar. Whites would drown, the browns and reds set free. But sadly, one thing more. Some local yokel member of the NRA kept a bazooka in his living room. And thinking he had the chief in his sights, blew the whale's brains out with a lead harpoon. Let's great American whale. Last great American whale. Last great American whale. Last great American whale. Well, Americans don't care for much of anything. Land and water the least. And animal life is low on the totem pole. With human life not worth more than infected yeast. Americans don't care too much for beauty. They'll shiver, dump battery acid in a stream. They'll watch dead rats wash up on the beach. Complain if they can't swim. They say things are done for the majority. Don't believe half of what you see, none of what you hear. It's like what my painter friend Donald said to me. Stick a fork in there, turn them over, they're done.
small pools on WLIWFM Killer Whales. Small Pools, Killer Whales on WLIWFM music from all decades and genres. Interviews with folks from all walks of life, all morning and midnight long on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. All because of you, the listener supporter of WLIWFM, leading you into the NPR news break at the top of the hour and the local news update with 
Hannah from a band called Freelance Whales, their 2009 record Weather Veins. Uh, that was Small Pools. I'm Giada Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome, and you're listening to WLIWFM. Long Island Local News. I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. Employers on Long Island say they can't find workers, and yet many local job seekers say they can't find work. It's a disconnect that has become maddening for many actively on the job hunt, given the number of headlines over the last two years announcing the American the Americans' workforce's newfound leverage. Data, too, suggests that workers in today's economy should be facing an easier time getting hired. Victor Ocasio reports on Newsday.com that the disconnect stems from mismatched expectations on both sides, labor experts and recruiters say, with some businesses unwilling or unable to pay competitive 
wages and some workers overestimating their skills or holding out for all remote work. The result is a stalemate in the labor market that has left many employers wondering if workers have gone missing. The unemployment rate in Nassau and Suffolk combined hit 3.4 percent in August, making it the lowest rate for the month since 2000 and putting it well below the 4 percent benchmark many economists consider to be full employment. Theoretically, an economy in which nearly everyone who wants to work has a job. Still, that left 52,500 Long Islanders counted as unemployed. Several factors working in conjunction have made good help harder to find these days, including the impact of long COVID, lack of access to affordable child care, reduced immigration, uncompetitive wages, and accelerated retirements, according to economic analysts on Long Island. Here in Southampton, Southampton Town Supervisor Jay Schneiderman has rescheduled today's listening session in Hampton Bays to 6 p.m. And the town board work session slated for this morning is now going to take place tomorrow, Friday, October 14th, in order to attend the funeral of town police chief Stephen Skrinecki in Amityville. In the wake of a contentious community meeting that drew a crowd to Hampton Bays High School in August, Schneiderman proposed hosting informal listening sessions in the hamlet to be held each Thursday this month. At issue is the controversial Hampton Bays Downtown Overlay District, a zoning tool that was annulled in court and town officials hope to resurrect. The goal of the listening sessions, the supervisor said, is to glean from community members a consensus on how they want to see the hamlet revitalized. So far, the same worries expressed at the August meeting and throughout the HBDOD process have come to the fore. Community members don't want to see increased residential density in the town's most populous hamlet and oppose the suggested site of a sewage treatment plant. The sessions are held at the Community Center on Ponkwong Avenue in Hampton Bays. Once again, today's community listening session has been rescheduled for 6 o'clock tonight. And finally, some election information for New Yorkers in preparation for the election on November 8th. The voter registration deadline, whether you do it in person, by mail, or online, is October 14th. If you're looking to do so uh, by mail, you just need to make sure you send it out. You have it postmarked by October 14th. Uh, not everyone is able to do absentee and mail-in voting. Uh, the request deadline for those absentee mail-in ballots are uh, is the day before Election Day, so November 7th in person, but by mail, they need to receive it by October 24th, which is the same date uh, and deadline for doing so online. The absentee mail-in and mail-in ballot return deadline is on Election Day, November 8th in person. It needs to be postmarked by that date, um, November 8th, if you're sending it by mail. Early voting is available to all voters, it's great because no matter where you live, you can go to another early voting site that is close to where you work, say, uh, to get it done. Uh, the early voting starts on October 29th. It ends on November 6th. Um, polls are open on Election Day from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. If you're looking to register to vote, and vote, and I hope you are if you're not already uh, registered, you can go online to elections.ny.gov. Reading the weather in Greenport in honor of our next guest, 
John Schott joining us for the Hot Sounds segment, underwritten by William Risk Gallery, looking like showers likely this afternoon, mainly after 3 p.m., otherwise cloudy with a high near 69 degrees. Southeast wind, 14 to 17 miles per hour. Gusts as high as 30, my friends, and that's even higher tonight, so make sure you secure the items in your yard. Showers and possibly a thunderstorm tonight, some of which could produce heavy rain. Low around 60 degrees, breezy with a south wind, 8 to fourteen, uh, eight to 24 miles per hour, gusts as high as 36. Right now it's 66 degrees, and we are keeping the whale edition um, swimming along here. Uh, opening up with Brendan James' white whale from the Leap Taken record. We've got um, white whales coloring. Uh, White Whales, White Whale by Coloring, a band uh, from their Heathen EP. And then a track I've loved for a very long time. Uh, The band is White Whale. The Admiral is the track. World War I record of 2006. We'll see what we play after that. Here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, the Morning and Midnight show, playing music from all decades and genres right here on the 88.3 section of your FM dial throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut. WLIWFM can be heard on 96.9 in central and western Suffolk, of course, streaming online to wherever you are at WLIW.org slash radio. I'm getting the feeling I should not be living the way I do. These highs and these lows, I can barely control them or hold it through. Chasing a dream, caught in a scene, what does it mean? Catching a break, riding a wave, watching it fade away. You cannot imagine the weight on my shoulders I feel tonight. I want to be someone who knows in their heart that they're doing it right. Walking around, feet on the ground, looking for sound. Catching a break, riding a wave, watching it fade away Maybe what I've been looking for is that white whale on the ocean floor Maybe what I've been seeking out is that wisdom I was wise without Maybe what I've been looking for is a new life on another shore Or maybe it's someone to love Yeah, maybe it's someone to love Shoulder another year older, I'm blessed, I know The present around me, the future before me, I keep the flow Holding the line, searching for signs, seeking to find Just wanna see, just wanna be, just wanna feel complete Maybe what I've been looking for is that white wind on the ocean floor Maybe what I've been seeking out is that wisdom I was wise without Maybe what I've been looking for is a new life on another shore Or maybe it's someone to love Yeah, maybe it's someone to love
Chasing a dream, caught in a scene, what does it mean? Catching a break, riding a wave, watching it fade away. Maybe what I've been looking for is that white whale on the ocean floor. Maybe what I've been seeking out is that wisdom I was wise without. Maybe what I've been looking for is a new life on another shore. Or maybe it's someone to love. Yeah, maybe it's someone to love. I never really had a puzzle.
coloring. It's spelled the British way with the U after the O. And now White Whale, the Admiral, on WLIWFM NPR Radio. Oh, the crime you always could commit Was ignoring the ones that forced you to admit That you never got along Until there came a song And everyone among them was a hit and Admiral Yemimon came in without his ship Pointing out to everyone his upper lip Saying I don't believe I've been With anyone I'd call a friend They just stole me and returned me as they saw fit That takes me back. It takes me back to being a freshman in college. I remember freaking out when White Whale came to play uh, the bar venue I worked at, the Blue Fugue, 
Uh, I don't think many people knew who they were. I certainly did. Um, they're composed of former members of Butter Glory, the Get Up Kids, and the Higher Burning Fire. Uh, we're only minutes away from John Shot of Faces and Ages, joining us for the Hot Sound segment underwritten by William Riss Gallery. So I'm going to hop past uh, Thrice's The Whaler. I thought that was appropriate, considering it's the whale edition, and we have a very rich history as whalers here, here on the East End. So hopping over Thrice's The Whaler, you can find the track on the playlist uh, for the whale edition on uh, the Heart of the East End program page on WLIW.org slash radio, playing a little Faces and Ages. This is all in the letter from the 2021 record, The Casualties of War, as we get John on the line for the Hot Sound segment right here on the Heart of the East End on WLIWFM.
All right, so I got to put a love note in there to remind myself that there is explicit language. I am so so mad at you right now, John. You know what? I didn't. I thought about that this morning. I didn't think about that last night. I was thinking over the songs. Um, That's okay. It's like one of my only songs that have explicit lyrics. Oh my god! How could you do that to us? Hey, um, sorry. And it's so funny because when when we go to to come into the segment. Uh, my plan was to say, hey, as long as you don't blow up the board this time, let's tell for, for folks. So first of all, apologies. I'll, I'll take that yes. on the chin. Um, I'm very sorry. And I'll make a love note to myself saying this is explicit. Do not play it again. Um, but what happened last oh time? My God, we, I'm so sorry. We, we tried to have you on uh, about a month ago and the whole board like surged. And we were like knocked off air. Yeah, ghost in the radio. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember what we were talking about? Oh well, God, we were talking about. Um, I know what we were talking about. It was a person. My dad's garage. And when you- we were fifteen, and we were playing in the garage. And our neighbors, their names were Hardcourt and Betty. And he kept calling the cops on us, shutting us down because we were too loud. And then right, I said that. The whole entire, like, everything just went dark. Even our radio, like, stopped on my end. My guys were listening to the radio at work. And then like, what happened? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So shout out to Mr. H- or is it Hardcourt is the the first name? It's, yeah, Hardcourt and Betty. I don't know last names. Um, that is the... But they were actually really nice people. Yeah, really no, I'm nice sure. people. And from what I understand, the... Um, the gentleman hardcore was an engineer. He was very smart. Um, he just uh, he, wanted you know, to he sleep. He actually liked the music, but yeah. he just didn't want to. <laughs> didn't want to hear it. <laughs> he's like, he's like, listen, I'm trying to, I'm trying to sleep right now. And then, just as a footnote, hardcore has to be the most punk rock name I've ever heard anyone. Uh, oh yeah, being named in the world, definitely. So let's talk a yeah, little. So that's like what kind of what our first band was uh, when we were. I was the drummer of. Uh, hardcore and Betty, we kind of like shifted it to hardcore and Betty, and uh, we played all the talent shows and stuff, and that was like a like a growing experience as a musician, you know. Wait, is the name hardcore or was it Hardcourt? Yeah, our our band name was Hardcore and Betty because we, oh, we were like, well, we're not going to Hardcore, right? Yeah, actually, you know, thinking about it now, it would have been way cooler to have mm-hmm. it be Hardcore and Betty. But then you know you you might have uh, leave yourself open from for some liability there. Oh yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> especially since he was like trying to get us shot down. Yeah, but I love that I love that he liked the music to begin with. Yeah, he he was he was cool with it, and um, I think one of his kids were a musician too. So there wasn't like it wasn't like completely bad blood, you know. Like, no. I, there was a bunch of times where we talked over the fence, and I think he just sometimes we went too long because we were kids. Yeah, you know, we were like, we want to stay playing. And yeah, then they and were they're like, like we're I, you down. <laughs> I want to, I want to try sleeping on their side of the fence. Yeah, speaking of exactly speaking of engineers, uh, the last time we had you on, and it was to to honor, to celebrate, to raise money for the Greenport skate, uh, the Greenport skate park. Can you talk a little bit mm-hmm. about uh, the development of the skate park in the first place? Uh, so 
originally, um, we had a skate park that we built down behind the old Kokomo's, which was built in, uh, behind Mitchell park where Mitchell park is now. There was like a, kind of like how Claudio's is. There was like a place there called Kokomo's and it got abandoned. And, and my best friend, Ricky Sayeta, his dad's workshop was like right across the way. So at night we would sneak over there and take the plywood off the windows and like where the wharf used to be, we used to build ramps there. And crazy enough, the town like let us do it for a long time. And then finally they got sick of it because it turned into like a major hangout. Back then, Mitchell Park wasn't developed. So it was like kind of out out of the way by the water. Nobody really saw us doing that over there. So they got tired of that. And then they were like, well, why don't you petition to get a skate park built? And I think they didn't think we were going to really try hard to do it. Um, but all of us kids got together, um, and we, you know, we got some money raised and the town got money raised and we started on the fire road, uh, which is where on Moore's lane, they used to have like for the fire department, they used to have like where they did like the, the ladder, um, climb and stuff. Right. We were right underneath that thing, which is kind of where like the, um, power plant is. Yeah. So we were there for about a year. And then they started doing the construction of the skate park. And we all got a chance to help out with the guys. They were all from California. And um, they started with the concrete section from what I remember. And then I want to say the guy's name was Andy, but I can't remember his last name. I think we touched base on this last time. Um, he was the guy that was like in charge of doing like the big 12 foot pipe and the six foot mini. And, um, all super cool guys. And, uh, you know, we all pitched in and we kind of learned a little bit about ramps and stuff. And then when they were gone, like, you know, we all kind of stuck around and there were, there used to be a Greenport, uh, skate park staff. And I was on that for a while as well. So I learned how to build some ramps and stuff. And over the years I pitched in and did it as a volunteer. And it's um, cool. It's cool to know, hear. Of course, I used to ride and stuff. So there's yeah. a lot of history there. It's cool to hear also uh, Ricky Saeda's roots um, as far oh, as wood, yeah, yeah. woodwork we were, is we, concerned. We were all, exactly, yeah. It was like he was, uh, it, like we got started young and he's, I mean, he's a, you know, an amazing uh, creative woodworker and yes. um, he learned from his father originally and now he does all these, you know, the creative stuff. So um, he's been working with his hands since he was a kid, just like I have. So it's like, you know, it's kind of funny how you see how we started young and, you know, you never know where you're going to go. And then boom, all of a sudden. So what are you, what are you doing? I mean, you, you, you're, you're not just in music and what do you do uh, when you're not playing? I'm a mechanic. I, I do uh, heating and air conditioning and refrigeration, mostly commercial. Right. So I've been doing that for about 15 years and my business is shot refrigeration. All right. So before we, so So that's what I do when I'm not uh, writing music, really. I'm just kind of full time member in the summer. It was kind of hard to book me because I was so, busy oh, all the time and yeah. now it's we'll slowed down but we still are kind of busy before uh, i want to go back though and talk about kids affecting change so were you guys going to the village board meetings i mean how uh, take me through uh, yeah, the process yeah, of yeah. of making this thing happen there was a bunch of us yeah there was a bunch of us that went to the board meetings and I believe there were a couple guys that actually did petition and go around. Um, I think once they gave us the okay to kind of like put ramps on the, uh, on the fire road, that's kind of where like 
me and Ricky and my friend Sean Cantwick, Kevin Urban, um, Abe the Jesus, Joel Jernick. Um, let me see if I don't leave out any names here. Ricky Fiedler was young. His father, the artist, um, he helped tremendously. I mean, he would build some ramps in his driveway and drive them up there. Um, and we kind of all like, you know, kind of helped out maintaining that. And it was like, you know, it was just, it wasn't really an official thing up there on the fire road. It was like kind of just some ramps on the road. Right. Um, and then when that thing started, it was just like, whoa, this is actually happening. Like we never really, I think we never really thought it was really going to happen. I think they were, we thought they were blowing smoke, <laughs> but, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, one day all these people started showing up and it was like, whoa, this is real. And, uh, when the, they started building the ramps, we were like, wow, these things look like skyscrapers compared. Like we're like, we were skating on like little kicker ramps. Right. And as these big ramps started getting built, all these people from out West started coming and using the park. And we started seeing like real people that actually, you know, really skate and, you know, like right in our faces, we were like, wow, this is crazy. It's like watching video. I love it. Back then it was like, what, 1998 or 99 when that all started. Uh, Actually started even before then. It was like, we were building Kokomo's in 95, like 94, 95. And I'm really dating myself now, but I was 14 (laughs) or 15. And then by the time I was a senior, like that's when things kind of started really being full bore, like over there at the skate park. But yeah, there was definitely a lot of involvement in the board meetings and stuff. Um, fast believe, forward, fast uh, forward. Mayor, mayor oh, Capel was the was the mayor then. We love we love and, hearing um, about Mayor Mayor Capel. My gosh, what hasn't he done uh, as far as the good of Greenport? Yeah, is he concerned? did a lot for for uh, for Greenport there with the you know with Mitchell Park as well, and um, and he's I think continuing. When we went he's continuing to do good. Skate park, he a lot for it. Yeah. He continues to do good to this yeah, day and through the through the pandemic. All right, so let's fast forward to this summer. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the festival and and then what's coming up soon because we're we're a bit over time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so this festival on Saturday, I believe, is like a pop up, kind of like a um, like uh, it might be a little bit smaller than what we did uh, back in August. Um, and I think that Greenport um, was really happy with how the festival turned out with Rena running it and um, Philip Staples helping along and uh, getting like all the sound together. So they want to start doing pop-up uh, shows. Um, so this one's going to be like a pop-up. I think there's going to be a decent amount of vendors there again, food. Um, they're doing a raffle. They're giving away, I think, two skateboards and a BMX bike. Nice. I just actually read that before. There's two other bands other than us. There's Radium Band and Naughty Boys, and I think they're headlining. So we're going on first at 1 p.m. And um, these events are awesome because for years, um, you know, we used to do, like, these little, like, shows that were, like, definitely not official, like, and we used to get kicked out. So, like, <laughs> you know, because we didn't go through the motions of, like, trying to actually – full thing going but this is pretty cool what rena's doing because this is like official like you know she's actually getting permission to use the grounds to do a you know a full-blown show and um i think that there's going to be the annual one's going to happen in august i think there's going to be another pop-up in the spring but don't on that just keep following the greenport skateport uh 
uh, yes, Skateboard at, Page on yeah. Instagram. At and she's, Greenport she's very, Skate Park. you know, she's putting stuff up. Yeah, at Greenport Skate Park. And, a, and a, just a, a, and a shout to the White weather, white Weathered Barn, uh, Rena's shop. Yes, absolutely. Wait, yep. wait, it's de- it's different now. And, uh, she changed it. She changed it. And she changed it years ago. And it's horrible. Now, I believe it's the Red Weathered Barn. I'm going to look that up. Real oh, quick. really? Yeah, now you know. Red Weathered Barn. Yeah. It used and, to be uh, white, now it's music red. Music Alliance as well for keeping things going. Yes, we love and, them. Uh, yeah, this is it's going to be an awesome event. Looks like the weather going to be really good and fair for uh, Saturday. Like looks like high sixties, so it should be a nice fall day with some music. Um, I'm not sure if they're doing like a a skate contest like they did, but I can imagine that they're probably doing something small. Um, but uh, you know, we're looking forward to it. it. Should be a good event. Before I let you go, I'm going to play. 517 Maine, normal to me. Should I be scared? <laughs> and and no, tell me more about this track. No, there's nothing in there that's, uh, no. No, 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 <laughs> no. And I apologize about the, okay. um, the curse word there. I, you know, I only have one curse word in all the songs, and of course I picked that one. I, that's my apology. I'm so sorry. And we, we appreciate your accountability. Um, tell us about this track. So this track... Um, this track's kind of about growing up in Greenport, very small town. Um, you know, kind of like what it was like growing up in uh, a small high school where it's like K through 12, where it's not like you switch schools and you go from like one place to the next place. It's kind of like, you know, Greenport school is amazing. Don't get me wrong. But like sometimes when you're there for that 12 years, it feels like, whoa, you know what I mean? It's like, you're, you're like, you're there, you're, right. you're stuck there. But, um, you know, so it's kind of like a, like a song, like, you know, you look at each other and like, you get to know everybody so good. And like, when you say like, okay, what's normal to me may not be normal to you. It's kind of like a, like a thing where you would say to anybody that you've been close to for a long time, like some people you can get along perfectly fine, but you have your own opinions. So it's like that kind of thing, you know? I hear that every perspective is different. And uh, I was actually thinking about this just last night, and I was thinking about it in, in the context of, of kids, uh, which is that whatever, like you're saying, whatever your circumstances are, the way you grow up, you don't know anything else. So, like you say, it's normal exactly, yeah. to and you. The good thing about this song is, like, I also kind of, like, you know, touch base, and for me, like, with the lyrics, like, I try to write lyrics that are vague enough where everybody can plug into their own life, too. And they can kind of like take it on for like whatever they like were going through when they first heard it. And because I listened to a lot of music like that, too. Like I grew up in grunge era. So, um, you know, the thing is, is like I kind of reflect on this song like where you can say, OK, we can all have our own opinions. But at the end of the day, we grew up together and we get we can always get along. It's like that kind of like thing like that. Like it, it kind of like gives you like this like camaraderie type of thing you know i, I dig it i dig Kinda the message where I was coming from when i wrote this song john we're looking forward to having you in the studio one of these days i did want to give a, a shout it's the weathered red barn greenport.com if you want to see more from rena wilhelm i'm gianna volpe that's john shot this is faces and ages 517 
517 Maine, Normal to Me. A shout out to Greenport High School. Uh, the Casualties of War is the record from Faces and Ages. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, the Hot Sound segment underwritten by William Riss Gallery. Stay tuned. Long Island local band Faces and Ages, hopping over the boss, Bruce Springsteen and Tom Waits, bringing it down. Scott Orr in the belly of the whale from the Where I Lived and What I Lived For record of 2011 here on WLIWFM. 
Got a lot of heat this hour on the heart, so bringing it down with Scott Orr and Corey Kilgannon. This is the next track up, Whale Song from the 2016 EP, I'll Be Here When the Moon is Tired. We've got Said the Whale More Than This, Country Joe McDonald's Save the Whales, and David Munyon's Save the Whales leading you into the NPR news break. All the fish in the deep blue sea Gray whale than songs to me If love is a current that runs underneath Honey, you're just an ocean breeze 
Kilgannon. In better timing is all we need. I remember the first time I came across one of his tracks, I reached out to Corey Kilgannon at the New York Times, knowing that he's a musician, and said, Corey, is this you? Alas, no, a different Corey Kilgannon, the whale song from the I'll Be Here When the Moon is Tired EP. We've got more than this from Said the Whale's 2013 record Hawaii. Uh, Country Joe McDonald and David Munyon's tracks, Save the Whales. One has an exclamation point. The other one has a uh, three three dots. What do they call that? An ellipsis on the end. Um, we are leading into the end of The Heart, and I just wanted to say thank you to our guests this morning, Galen Rosenwax and John Schott, as well as our underwriters, Green Hill Kitchen and William Riss Gallery. I'm Gianna Volpe. This is Said the Whale and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM. This little pill placed on the tip of my tongue can never replace the feeling I found standing alone in the river I know. It's a feeling I can never take with me And I want more than this I want it all of the time I want more than this Closed This little white pill that you gave me to open up all my Scarecrow, here I am. 
looks like we only have time for one. I'm going to play David Munyon's Save the Whales. Find Country Joe McDonald on the playlist for today, WLIW.org slash radio.